Welcome to the GDPR Stand Up Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping you succeed with GDPR compliance. Your host is Rocio Beza. She is a cybersecurity consultant that enjoys helping organizations with GDPR compliance. Yes, the internet holds plenty of free information about GDPR. However, it's usually filled with lots of jargon and complexity. It's not obvious, but the status quo is placing consumers, yes, you and me, in a vulnerable position. Rocio is on a mission to change that. Let's get started. Hey there, and welcome back. I'm Rocio Baeza, and I'd like to welcome you to today's episode. We're going to be talking about GDPR customer data. Do you hold data that is subject to the GDPR? And I'm going to start off with a a story. So I think that it's important to clarify this. And by clarifying it early on, I think your journey in uh, reaching GDPR compliance for your organization, it'll be smoother. It'll be with less headaches, less frustration, and less redos. And uh, so by clarifying, all right, what is the data that is governed by GDPR? What is the data that has to be protected? What is the data that we have to focus in on? Um, By establishing that, uh, you can create scope so that your GDPR efforts are just targeted at that scope and, and you're addressing that as a minimum because you're required. And then, hey, if you want to take the optional, the option of expanding that out so that all of your systems or the entire environment is GDPR compliant, uh, you have a way of doing that. But I feel like if we just focus on this very specific chunk, uh, we can successfully get to that milestone faster. And then uh, it'll be easier for us to broaden that out if that's an organizational goal. And uh, before I dive into today's topic, I want to share just a story where it actually took me a while to realize this. Um, if you don't know my, if you don't know my story, so I didn't go into the cybersecurity security space right after school. This is something that I fell into uh, with the help and the patience and uh, the grace of my managers, my mentors, my advisor, uh, I ended up learning more about the space. It's something that I developed a passion for, and I love doing this. I love doing this. I see myself doing this for many years to come. And just having this opportunity, this platform to be able to talk about that and share with others what I've, I've, I've learned, uh, it, it's, some, it's something that, uh, that is important to me. Uh, okay, so going back to my story. So early on in my profession, one of my in my cybersecurity pr- profession, uh, one of my responsibilities was to help uh, facilitate a PCI audit. So ba- so basically, um, the, my organization at the time had to comply with PCI. Uh, that starts that that uh, stands for uh, payment card industry so if your organization uh, is processing card payments uh this is this is something that you would have to worry about so i was uh i was tasked with um making sure that when our auditor so 
outside auditors would audit our organization on a regular basis. And my initial task was making sure that the auditors had what they need, needed, that we had scheduled all the interviews that they needed to have, that if there were any information requests that the teams were providing that in a timely fashion, that, these, that, that, that this documentation was being reviewed for completeness and accuracy before handing that off to the, the auditors. And I remember that my first few rounds of these types of audits, I realized, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. I mean, my organization at the time was 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 large. Uh, it serviced lots of countries, and and it, it was continuing to ex expand. As a result of that, there were just a number of different IT resources, IT systems that were in place to support the breadth of the business. And it just seemed like, oh, oh my gosh, like we're never gonna get there. We are never going to be able to uh, say uh, that our environment, all of our systems are compliant with PCI. And for a long time, I felt that that was a rat race that I was going to have to uh, be in for a, a long time. And that caused uh, overwhelm that I felt uh, discouraged. I felt like, like, hey, I'm not set up to succeed here. And I, and I actually considered going to a different field because I felt that I didn't have the skills and the knowledge that I needed to be able to do this successfully. Now, uh, fast forward some time, and with the help of my manager and my mentors and my advisors, I eventually learned that uh, with PCI, um, you have the option of establishing scope. If you can segment your environment in a way where cardholder information is only flowing in a portion of your environment, in a portion of a company network, then the PCI requirements would only apply to that segment. And when I, when that finally clicked, they're like, oh man, like I can actually do that. Um, I can actually um, set things up so that uh, PCI just applies to a portion of the environment. I felt a relief. I felt a weight lifted off of my shoulders because uh, before I was thinking, hey, we have, we have to figure this out for all of these systems. Um, I then realized that like, hey, we can actually just make a couple of adjustments and our PCI compliance program can really just uh, apply to a small portion of the environment. And when I learned that, uh, it felt like it was a problem that I was able to solve and I could actually see the finish line. I could actually see the light at the end of the, the, the tunnel. And the reason that I'm sharing this story is because the same way that PCI allows you to minimize scope for PCI compliance, um, you can have a very targeted focus um, for where and what uh, GDPR applies to. So uh, one of the takeaways with this episode is that GDPR does not have to um, uh, does not have to have a trickle down effect to all of your IT systems, to all of your company's net 
network to all of the machines, um, it, it, it can be focused. And the way that you can focus that is by um, first understanding, right, um, out of all of the data that your organization holds, um, what is the data that you hold that is considered to be personal data under GDPR? And by starting to answer that question, you can start to uh, set up boundaries for that 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 scope, and what that means is your GDPR compliance program can be much smaller, can require less resources, less time, less effort because you've went through the exercise of determining all right what personal data does does my organization hold, where does it sit, and how is it used. And um, so we're going to be going, uh, taking a deeper dive there, and we're going to be talking about the two categories that are uh, addressed as part of GDPR. So GDPR applies to two different types of data. The first one is personal data, and the second type would be special categories of personal data. So there's a distinction because um, special categories of date of personal data, there is some heightened sensitivity for this type of data. Um, so um, by breaking out by breaking out personal data into these two categories, um, if there are any uh, special categories of personal data that your organization holds, um, there are uh, additional requirements that you have to comply with. All right, so uh, first we're gonna give some examples of, of what kind of data points would be classified as personal data, and then uh, we'll do the same for special categories of personal data. All right, so what would be considered to be personal data? So off the bat, those would be things like names, identification numbers, email addresses, home addresses, location information, uh, and, and online identifiers such as an IP address. So the, these are all pieces of information that can point to an individual person. Um, and let's see, is there something else that I would say about that? Uh, I would say that um, at the end of, of, the, of the day, uh, the majority of organizations these days are just by default are collecting email information. And I would argue that if you're collecting that, then uh, yes, GDPR does apply to your organization and you have to, um, and it makes sense for you to continue to do more due diligence so that you can get on the path to com compliance. All right, so we talked about, or we gave some examples of what would be classified as personal da data. I think it's also important to point out that um, this applies to people that live in the EU or that are residents in the EU. So your organization might, might be collecting information about people uh, this can be customers, this can be prospects, 
this can be uh, employees, these can be contractors, and it's very well possible that GDPR only applies to one portion of personal data that your organization holds. So it, it, it's, it's very possible for an organization to have to, uh, to be holding personal information about EU citizens and, and residents because it includes uh, or that applies to customers that they have. Um, so it's possible that GDPR efforts for that organization is only concentrated to the customers. You may not have to worry about the employees uh, because maybe the employees that your organization has, they all uh, they do not live in, in, in the EU or, or they are not from the EU. So I just want you to keep that in, in mind. You may be holding uh, information for different types of people, but for GDPR, the focus should be on people that either live or are from the EU. All right, now let's talk about the next uh, classification. So the next classification is special categories of personal data. So these would be things like information that reveals racial or ethnic origin, political opinions, religious beliefs, philosophical beliefs, health information that includes things like genetic information or biometric data, trade union membership, and sex life or sexual or orientation. If your organization holds any of this type of data, then this would be classified as special categories of personal data. And again, um, this, this applies to the people that either live in the EU or that are from the EU. And it's also important to, to note that uh, there's like a third category. I wouldn't say that it's a category per, per se, uh, but under GDPR, if your organization holds information about criminal convictions and offenses, uh, you do have to pay special care and attention around that information. All right, so I want to um, cover two examples that I hope will make it clear for you to, to see why it's important to um, to create a an inventory of data that you hold about people, data that your organization holds about people, and classifying it as either personal data, special categories of personal data or non-applicable. So the first example is going to be with uh, the right to be forgotten. So GDPR provides individuals with a number of different rights. One of those rights is the right to be forgotten. If I am an EU resident or I, I am from the EU and your organization holds personal information about me, I have the right to ask you to uh, delete that personal information about me. If you have um, gone through that exercise of making a list of, all right, this is all the personal data that we hold about you, then you, can, you have established scope 
And if I come to your organization with that re request and it's a valid request, then it's clear cut what pieces of information you have to delete as part of fulfilling that responsibility. Many organizations are incorrectly interpreting this as if I say I want you to delete my personal information, that the organization is somehow obligated to delete everything, all data that is related to, to you. Um, now, this is misinformation. I would say that as an organization, you have that option. If you have a history of communications, if you have a history of transactions or orders that a customer uh, has with you, uh, you have the option of also deleting that information when you're fulfilling a right to be forgotten request. But GDPR doesn't require you to do that. P uh, GDPR requires that you delete personal data of that individual. So it's very possible that you, um, that you hold personal data about the individual. You have additional information uh, with that customer, with that prospect, you would only have to delete the personal information. You don't have to uh, delete uh, the other information that is tied with that person. And I think that this is important because, okay, when organizations learn that they have to delete anything, they usually freak out. They usually freak out because uh, they don't know what kind of consequences that will bring. If I delete these database records, is that going to mess things up? Um, and, and, and in many uh, organizations and uh, IT teams that I, I've worked with, uh, when you bring that up as a request, there's usually hesitation because we just don't know what kind of trickle effect that will have. So by focusing in on making a list of what personal data is protected under GDPR for your or organization, when you are fulfilling these right to be forgotten requests, you know exactly what you have to delete and you don't even have to think about or worry ab about, okay, what other piece of information do I have to delete? All right, let me cover another example, the right to access. So uh, the right to access is another uh, right that GDPR affords. And uh, uh, so SAR is a common acronym that is being used. So a SAR is a subject access request. Uh, so um, you may be familiar with that term, a SAR, S-A-R, SAR. But if I am a, cus a customer and I am saying, hey, I want to know what what is uh, what are all the information that you hold about me. You as the organization, when you're processing that request, you are only obligated to provide with the personal data that you hold about that person. So going back to the first example where you may have information about a, a person and then you may have additional information that is linked with that person, uh, communications, uh, transactions, and a history of the orders or the purchases that they have made. Um, if, if I exercise that, that right um, and I want you to provide me with a list of all the information that you hold about, about me, you as the organization are only required to produce uh, a file 
uh, that shows, okay, this is all the personal data that us, that our organization holds about you. And uh, now you have the option of including additional information. That is an option that you have. But your obligation, your minimum requirement is to say, is to share what personal data you hold about the individual. Now, by so uh, going full circle here, if you have gone through the exercise of determining, all right, for what types of people, um, for what, okay, what personal data do I hold? Uh, for 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 that chunk um uh determining all right for what type of data am i hold am i holding personal data for of eu residents or eu citizens um and then you are able to produce a list of this is all the personal data that i hold about these individuals then you can establish scope and the, the way that you organize this is in a GDPR data inventory. Uh, at the end of this episode, I will uh, provide you with a, re a resource that can help you with that. But it's basically an inventory where you make a list of the personal data that you hold about EU citizens or EU residents. And by creating that inventory, you have a well-established scope so that when you are fulfilling your other GDPR obligations, the right to be forgotten, the right to access, uh, the right to limit processing, uh, you know exactly what you need to focus on. And, and I think that this is a tool that many organizations do not realize uh, that is available to them uh, there's lots of information out there that I, I think has uh, unfortunately made many to believe that um, that GDPR has to apply to all of my systems, uh, my entire organization. And that usually leads to frustration. Uh, that usually leads to directing more resources than what is necessary to comply. And this is a, a direction that I like to point my clients to uh, because let's face it, we all have a limited amount of time, energy, and resources. GDPR compliance is probably just one responsibility that you have to fulfill. And by taking the step of, of, of articulating uh, the scope of GDPR, what type of personal data does my organization hold, uh, your journey in helping your organization become GDPR compliant will require less time, less resources, less energy, and you are better positioned to have a high quality GDPR compliance plan because instead of focusing on everything, you are only focusing on the areas that GDPR applies to. All right. So uh, I did mention that uh, there is a free resource that I have available. So we have a free course. It's called uh, uh, the GDPR Data Inventory Course. So this is that first step that all organizations should take uh, when they're starting on their GDPR compliance journey. Now, this is something that you can do yourself. You can pay someone else 
to do, I would argue that um, that you, as a, as a professional, you have all the tools and the resources that you need to complete this first step. Now, if you need that extra help and you need someone to do this step for, for you, you can definitely outsource this. But I would say that most organizations already have the, the tools and the knowledge that, that they need to, to complete this first step. And I would stress that uh, putting together a GDPR data inventory is critical because it's the only way that you can correctly determine which of the 10 GDPR components apply to your organization. Not all GDPR requirements apply to all or organizations. Some organizations will have to do it all, but other organizations will have to do a portion of, of that. And by going through that first step of creating your GDPR data inventory, you are one step further in determining, okay, what are the things that GDPR obligates me to do? Um, okay, and how can you access that resource? So you can, uh, you should be able to see a link to that course in the show notes. Uh, the other way that you can reach that course is just by going to our website, uh, gdprstandup.com. If you scroll towards the middle, you should see a button that says uh, G, uh, GDPR data inventory course or, or just data inventory course. If you click on the button, you will then be directed to a screen. You provide your email address, and then we will email you that free course. And I would encourage you, I would invite you to take that free course. Um, it's possible that you've already started on your journey to GDPR compliance, and you're looking to just do a, a sanity check that you filled, uh, that you have fulfilled all of your requirements. So that that is one free way of, of doing that sanity check. Um, you, you may also have paid someone else to do that and you want to validate that what they told you is actually true. So you can use, you can leverage my course to determine that. And again, uh, you as a pro professional, um, as long as, as, as you have documentation skills, as long as you have the ability to gather information and ask questions and plug that into the template, uh, you are very much equipped to be able to put that GDPR data in inventory for your organization. All right, so that concludes our session for today. Thank you for checking us out and we'll see you on a future one. Goodbye. Hey there. Wait, wait, before you close out the episode, I want to quickly share. I recently started a virtual community to help professionals like you on your journey with GDPR compliance. Now, when I got started with the cybersecurity space, I found myself uh, doing lots of, of reading, Google searches, and trying to find information. I oftentimes had to uh, do a lot of investigation before I was able to uh, figure out, okay, what's my next step? Or how do I address this problem that I'm facing? And I want to I, I I want to provide you the resource that I wish I had as I was learning this. If if this sounds interesting, I invite you to learn more about this virtual community. And you can do that by going to our website, gdprstandup.com and clicking on the button that says click to join our virtual community. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the GDPR Stand Up Podcast. 
If you need additional help, please check us out at gdprstandup.com. Until next time.